This is a new Spews look at the high price of prescription drugs in the U.S. I'm your host, Margie. So a report issued by the Insurance Industry Group International Federation of Health Plans compared prices derived from more than 500 million insurance claims in the U.S., to prices of other countries from Australia to New Zealand. Okay, that's not going very far. How about Austria to New Zealand? There's an A to Z. Anyway, the U.S. routinely had higher prices than other countries for all health care, with the most pronounced price hike being from prescription drugs. Say you needed a prescription drug, Humira. We've all seen the commercials, may cause kittens to climb out of your butt. Okay, may have exaggerated that part, but it sounds a lot prettier than what you usually can get from prescription drugs. May increase the chance of heart attack or stroke, which can lead to death. Serious skin reactions or stomach and intestine problems, such as bleeding and ulcers, which can occur without warning and may cause death. You get the idea. Humira is a big one all around the world as it is used to treat arthritis and psoriasis. Now, if we were, say, in Switzerland and needed the drug, it would set you back $822. Not bad, but suppose you aren't fond of fondue eating, you aren't a gorgeous blonde, or have a knack for packing a bunch of tools into one thing that fits in your pocket. In the UK, Hey, that's more like us. This same drug would set you back $1,362. Hey, that's a lot more. But we have here in America so many more people we can buy in bulk and get a great deal, right? Nope. On average in the U.S., this same prescription will set you back $2,669. But wait. So what happened to our ability to buy in bulk or, oh, maybe we're getting a fancier version? We'll look into that in the next segment of the new spew. Welcome to the new spew's look at high U.S. prescription drug prices. I'm your host, Margie, and this is segment two. Recovered yet from that high markup on the commonly prescribed example drug we gave? We went from getting it in Switzerland... to getting it in the U.S. for $2,669. So what is causing the disparity for exactly the same drug? For starters, the U.S. is unique in that we do not regulate or negotiate the price of new prescription drugs when they first come onto the market. Other countries have a government agency haggle with the pharmaceutical companies. They do this by studying whether the new drug is even that much better than the current drugs already available. They also look into the risk, a.k.a. the side effects. In rare cases, serious stomach problems such as bleeding can occur without warning. Uh, No, no. We also let drug companies set their price from the get-go. Not all that surprisingly, self-regulation isn't really taking off with them. It's that huge amount of profitability that is actually making matters worse. It is a driving force that attracts greedy investors into the industry rather than attract only the people looking for innovative cures. Another side effect. Allergic reactions such as shortness of breath or swelling of your tongue or throat may occur and may be fatal. Um, no, not that type. The high profit agenda also leads to drugs being priced out of the reach of many of the very people who need them the most. Most countries regulate drug prices in the same way we regulate utility prices. Let's face it, water is also a life or death requirement, and yet the companies that supply it don't charge the price they could demand for it. It's okay. Utilities in the U.S. are under government restrictions for that reason. 
So, are the other countries hurt because they don't get all the drug varieties we get? Short answer? No-ish. Okay, there isn't a short answer. So we'll address this in the next segment of the new SPUs look at U.S. prescription drugs. Okay, here we go with the new SPUs look at high U.S. prescription drug prices. I'm your host, Margie, and this is segment three. Without very many restrictions and loads of profitability for prescription drugs, in the U.S., we have more and more of them, and more is better than less, right? Nope. More drugs on the American market at higher prices, but without being more effective? Benefits no one but the drug makers and, well, maybe the companies that come up with their marketing campaign. Normally, in a competitive market, if something doesn't perform better than something half the price, the cheaper one will win out. But we are shopping blind in the U.S. when it comes to our medication. Without a single government agency negotiating drug prices, we get thousands of insurance companies trying to do it separately. It gives them less bargaining power, and we can end up with a policy that doesn't cover the prescriptions we really need. Then we have the situation with Medicare, where the government has stepped in to say they had to cover all drugs, but then stepped away when it comes to checking if the drugs actually work or if the drug makers are inflating prices. Yeah, that isn't helping keep prices in line at all. The only argument for higher unregulated prices is a fair enough argument. Less profit, less motivation to do drug trials. Finding cures is motivation enough for scientists, but paying for the clinical trials that they need to go through to prove that they actually have value, well, that's a bit of a hard sell. Then again, if Medicare wasn't blowing so much money on drug repeats, perhaps it could use some of that money to go toward clinical trials to get actual better cures. Tough call. Oh, another way we could dial back our overpriced prescriptions has to do with how they market the drug. Here, take these pills. Who knows what they may do? He gave me Tylenol and Clearasol, Butanol and tennis balls, and water from Niagara Falls, and hormones from Japan, and vitamins and paraffins, and some beta carotins, and bits of tuna and dolphin that he got from a can. We'll take a look at that in the next segment of the new Spews Look at the High Price of Prescription Drugs. And now we've got segment four of the new SPUs look at the high cost of U.S. prescription drugs. I'm your host, Margie. We've all seen the ads. Butterflies will roam your room at night if you take this pill. If you pop this one, you'll make your grandkids happy because you no longer are huffing and puffing. Of course, there's also plenty of pills that will make your poor diet, lack of sleep, exercise doldrums, and pretty much everything just bounce away so you can live in a vibrant, colorful world. Many of these conditions we have weren't really a problem for us until the commercial told us they were. Oh, and those conditions now, they're so bad that we shouldn't even worry about the side effects. Um, hello, now? Side effects may include next day drowsiness, dizziness, and headache. In patients with depression, worsening of depression, including risk of suicide, may occur. Yep, just tell your doctor to bring it all on. You'll just take more pills to deal with the diarrhea, occasional bleeding, loss of life. Okay. I'm pretty sure there's not a pill for that last one. The important thing is these ads are directed at you, so you will badger your doctor for medications you didn't need moments earlier. Talk to your doctor. About- Talk to your doctor. About- Ask your doctor. About- Ask your doctor. Talk to your child's doctor today. Doctors are finding patients that have their illnesses in check are actually requesting a change of medication simply because of a commercial. These patients are prepared to press on with the new drugs despite the serious risk. 
they also cause patients to misdiagnose themselves, which puts both doctor and patient on an unhealthy goose chase. So why do we have this and what can we do about it? While in many other countries, pharmaceutical companies can only advertise to physicians, you know, the people trained to understand how various chemicals may affect your individual circumstances. In Canada, just shy of $2 billion was spent on marketing drugs to physician. Meanwhile, in the U.S., pharmaceutical marketing to doctors and the public was estimated at nearly $30 billion, with one estimate as high as $57 billion, with only 2% of that massive amount being spent on going to ads in medical journals that doctors actually read. So less advertising would happen if we got rid of all this, as well as less doctor visits and less unnecessary prescriptions. How do we get to that point? We'll look more into that in the next segment of the new SPEWS look at the high U.S. prescription drug prices. Hi, welcome back. It's segment five of the new SPEWS look at the high cost of U.S. prescription drugs. I'm your host, Margie. If it didn't seem like direct-to-consumer drug advertising was around when you were a kid, well, that's because it's only been legal in the U.S. since 1985. But it didn't really take off until 1997 when the FDA eased up on rule-making companies present detailed lists of side effects in their infomercials. The only other country in the world that allows direct-to-consumer drug ads is New Zealand, a country of only 4 million people. So what is being done to tame this situation? Well, in 2008, the Democrats in the United States Congress challenged the industry's use of direct-to-consumer advertising when Congress announced an investigation of several advertisements, including one for Pfizer's cholesterol-lowering Lipitor. A month later, Pfizer pulled the ad and Pfizer's president of Worldwide Pharmaceutical Operations, Ian Reid, expressed regret about people getting the wrong impression. Ten months later, the pharmaceutical industry announced that it was updating its voluntary standards for direct-to-consumer advertising. Note the word voluntary. Uh, It pledged to stop using actors to play doctors and make sure endorsers who said they used a particular drug had actually done so. Not exactly a massive change. However, at least in other countries, the WHO... Uh, Not that one. The World Health Organization has clamped down on attempts by pharmaceuticals to create the information-to-patient strands. In other words, they wanted to be allowed to use the Internet and specialist health publications to disseminate information. The WHO... World Health Organization said no. In the U.S., the FDA only governs whether or not big pharma companies are misrepresenting what they do. What the FDA doesn't cover is all the ways the advertised drug could be mishandled or the fact that the generic or lower-cost meds your doctor already has you on has the same, if not better, results. So why can't they regulate that? Well, it has to do with something that makes our country great. Free speech. The U.S. free speech is protecting big pharma advertisers. However, we do have rules regarding antitrust, unfair competition laws, and anti-kickback statutes. These may be relevant to the situation and should be used to encourage lawmakers to make a difference. That's where you come in. Contact your representative and let them know the high cost of prescription drugs and the massive influence big pharma has on our health care is important to you as a voting constituent. Thanks for listening. I'm your host of the new SPEW, Margie. And I also want to thank our sponsor, 342MAD. 
If you're looking for marketing and design solutions, look to 342mad.com. Here, take these pills. Who knows what they may do? He gave me Tylenol and Clearasol and Butanol and tennis balls and water from Niagara Falls and hormones from Japan and vitamins and paraffins and some beta-carotins and bits of tuna and dolphin that he got from a can. 